Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. I am your host, Mike Fulta, the broadcaster for the Glads. Today is Tuesday, October 26th. Follow the Glads on Twitter and on Instagram at ATL Gladiators for tickets and more info. Visit AtlantaGladiators.com or call the front office at 770-497-5100. It is game week. The Atlanta Gladiators play a home game at the end of this week. And, boy, things are really starting to ramp up here around the team and around the front office as well. We'll kind of get into the game that the Gladiators have already played as well as look ahead to Friday night on the home opener. Uh, But first, we want to mention our great guest today. He's one of the most established radio personalities in Atlanta. It's Brandon Leak, a.k.a. Home team. He's one of the hosts on the locker room, a sports talk show on ESPN 680, The Fan. The Gladiators have a new agreement with 680 here uh, coming up for this season. 680, The Fan will uh, host 14 Gladiators games on the airwaves coming up this season. It's a pretty exciting partnership for the Gladiators because ESPN 680 AM and 93.7 FM, that's the flagship station for the Atlanta Braves and for Georgia Tech and, and a whole lot more as well. So the Glads will get some great exposure on ESPN 680. Again, that's 14 home games coming up this season on that station. We'll get to... Home team Brandon Leak in that interview in just a few moments. But before we do, let's catch you up on what's been going on with the Gladiators. The boys opened the season last Saturday on the road in Orlando and fell 3-1. The Glads played hard and at times controlled the pace of the game. Uh, They outshot the Solar Bears 7-1 to open up the first period. But really, four straight penalties in the second period against Atlanta is what kind of turned the momentum of the game, and the Glads were never quite able to catch up after that. The Solar Bears scored on a 5-on-3 in the middle of that, all those penalties in the second period, and the Glads were kind of playing catch-up after that. Derek Nesbitt scored the only goal for Atlanta. The captain scored his first goal of the season and the 308th professional tally of his illustrious career. Uh, on the blue line for the Glads, a couple players really stood out. Xavier Bernard, he is on a two-way contract with Belleville. So there's a good chance that he gets called up throughout the season. Uh, he played a lot of minutes. It looked very good on that blue line. A big, young French-Canadian uh, on the back end for the Glads. And he was paired up with Tim Davison, who got a lot of play as well, uh, but also looked really good moving the puck. Tim Davison, a couple years out of the University of Wisconsin, but a couple of good-looking D-men right there for the Gladiators. Then up front, uh, the Pelic sylvester nault line got a lot of play. That was listed as the second line for Coach Jeff Pyle, but they saw a lot of action and uh, created a lot of opportunities as well. And then the top line was Derek Nesbitt, Hugo Wah, and Luke Nogard. Wah and Nogard played a little bit together last season with the Florida Everblades. Uh, they got to play on the captain's line with Derek Nesbitt. Uh, obviously, that line got the goal. And then the third line was Gabe Gertler, Mike Turner, and Tyler Coburn. And that's more of the checking line for Jeff Pyle and the Glads, but they also had some of the juiciest opportunities in the game, those three. They just couldn't cash in. Gladiators also had Josh Thrower playing as a forward. He's listed as a defenseman. That's uh, what he's been most of his career, but Thrower played up as that 10th forward 
for Coach Jeff Pyle uh, on Saturday. So interesting to see if the younger thrower brother, Josh, continues uh, to play in that forward role if he gets moved to the back line. This is a very deep defensive group here for the Gladiators. Malcolm Hayes and Zach Yoder, the two local kids from the Atlanta area, were both on reserve uh, during Saturday's game, but those guys could easily slot in at a moment's notice, and, and this blue line would not miss a beat. So it's a very deep defensive group uh, coming up here for the Glads this season. So the first home game of the season is just a couple days away here for the Gladiators. Friday, October 29th, 7.30 at Gas South Arena. The Glads are taking on the Solar Bears once again, and we are expecting a big crowd coming here on Friday. Several thousand tickets have already been sold, and a bunch more are on the way. The Gladiators will be honoring Derek Nesbitt and his 300th professional goal, so it'll be a pretty cool ceremony before the game to, to honor Derek Nesbitt, the captain, who's... This is his ninth year with the team. He's meant so much to, to this hockey program, but also to hockey in this city. Uh, so a chance to honor him kind of before the game. And, and as we kick off the home schedule of games, the first 1,700 fans will receive a, a 3D Derek Nesbitt poster as well. Uh, it'll be the first home game for the Glads in over 600 days, which is kind of crazy to think about. They haven't played at home since uh, all the way back in early March of 2020. And the Glads will be at home a lot here to start the season. This is a great chance for Atlanta to, to get off on a, a good foot for this 2021-2022 campaign. Ten of the next 12 games are here at Gas South Arena for the Gladiators in the friendly confines. So if the Glads can pick up some momentum here in the South Division, they can start to make some noise uh, in front of this home crowd, and it could be a lot of fun as we get into the middle of the season after this home stretch. In other Glads news, goaltender Tyler Parks has been recalled by the Belleville Senators up to the AHL, so that's good for Parks. He's going to get uh, a chance to play in the American Hockey League. He is on a two-way contract with Belleville and with Atlanta, so um, there's you know a lot of movement expected whenever a player signs a two-way deal. Uh, Xavier Bernard, another player on a two-way deal with Atlanta, like we mentioned earlier, so he's doing his best to make it up to the A as well. Parks played on Saturday against the Solar Bears and was pretty good. He stopped 23 of 26 shots uh, from Orlando, and really the the goals that came against Parks probably not his fault. There was one where um, a Solar Bear was just wide open right in front of the net and was able to dangle around Parks. Uh, the other one, or another one of the goals, came on a five-on-three when Aaron Luchuk, one of the most dangerous goal scorers in the league, just one-timed one right past Parks. And then the third goal came after a deflection in front of him. So really, Parks played pretty well and, and did well to keep Atlanta in that game, and he has been called up to the AHL. All right, mentioning Parks going up to Belleville, let's get to our Sens segment where we break down what's been going on with the Gladiators NHL and AHL affiliates. That's the Ottawa Senators in the NHL and the Belleville Senators in the AHL. After a 2-1 start, Ottawa has lost its last three games, and they've all been at home. They've lost three consecutive games, uh, one to San Jose, one to the New York Rangers, and their most recent loss came at home against the Washington Capitals. Two of those three losses were by one goal. The Sens are playing in a lot of close games. Uh, 
They lost 7-5 to on Monday against the Caps. They were down 4-1 to at one point in that game, and they came back to tie the game at 4-4, and then Washington, uh, with a hat trick from TJ Oshie, took the cake and was able to win it down the stretch. Drake Batherson had his first career hat trick on the Ottawa side. Batherson with three goals and one assist in that game. Not a ton of offense right now for the Ottawa Senators. Drake Batherson, uh, who had that hat trick, leads the club with six points in six games. Tim Stutzel, the star forward, a very young German, no goals so far for Stutzel. Brady Kachuk has no goals so far, although remember he missed the first couple games while his contract was being sorted out. He has two assists in three games but has not found the back of the net himself yet. So some of the stars for Ottawa have yet to get going, at least in the goal-scoring category. The Senators are 2-4-0 and oh right now through six games. The Belleville Senators, that's the AHL affiliate for the Glads, they are 1-3-0. and oh. They've played four games thus far, and they play again here coming up on Wednesday. Three different goaltenders have played for Belleville. Kevin Mandelize, Mad Sogard, and Philip Gustafson have all played in net for the B-Sens. And keep in mind that Tyler Parks, uh, the goaltender who played on Saturday for the Gladiators, was just called up to Belleville. So lots of goalies in the mix there at the AHL level in this Senators organization. Mitchell Holscher, another player who is on one of those two-way contracts, has only played in one game so far. He has no points. Uh, so we'll see if they send Holscher down to Atlanta to maybe get some more playing time, as they often do with guys on these two-way contracts. But so far, he is still up with Belleville. All right, that concludes our Sends segment. Let's get to our interview with home team Brandon Leak. Before we do... We want to thank Ortho Sport and Spine Physicians. Ortho Sport and Spine Physicians specializes in providing state-of-the-art, minimally invasive treatments for complex neck and spine problems, as well as sports-related injuries and conditions. They also serve patients who travel to their office from other areas in the southeast and throughout the country. Ortho Sport and Spine Physicians, let them help you get back in the game. And now, home team Brandon Leake. We now welcome in one of the most recognizable voices in Atlanta. He is the bus driver for The Locker Room, the morning show on ESPN, 680 AM, 93.7 FM, The Fan. And I could go through and, and, and list all that he's done, but it would be easier to simply say that he's worked with pretty much every team, a sports team in Atlanta, including working as a locker room reporter for the Atlanta Thrashers back in the day. Home team, Brandon Leak. thank you for joining us here. Thank you. You're too kind. You could just say I just sit down and run off at the mouth all day. Well, no, we'll give you a little bit of credit, especially because you guys are crazy busy right now over at ESPN 680. We are in the midst of an Atlanta sports vortex. We have the Atlanta Braves in the playoffs. The Atlanta Hawks are starting their NBA season. Of course, the Gladiators, uh, their season has arrived. The Falcons are feisty in the middle of the year and the Georgia Bulldogs are the top ranked team in the country how do you go, guys go about tracking all this stuff for your shows here well it is a, a wonderful time if you are an atlanta sports fan um and you know coming off of the end of the season that the atlanta hawks had where uh they introduced themselves to the nba world and the basketball community it certainly is uh, a fun time you hope it's a historic time where uh georgia and the braves can finish the deal and uh, become champions and it's a really a good time too to welcome in the atlanta gladiators to the 680 fan family as well uh with a year off a lot of people really loving the hockey product you just hope this is a historic 
historic time for Atlanta sports where we can see a lot of history and a lot of memories made. Would you say this is probably the biggest or the uh, the busiest time of the year just with all the different sports going on? You still have football, hockey, and basketball are starting up. You have a little bit of baseball as well mm-hmm. if your team's in it. I mean, I'm trying to think of another time of the year where it gets this crazy, maybe around March Madness. Yeah, maybe that time. Uh, usually during the summer, it's just baseball. And you're talking about what is going to happen for football with uh, summer camps and training camp for the Atlanta Falcons. But the bottom line is, uh, this is a really exciting and busy time because of college football. It's a college football uh, hotbed. We are the college football station of the South, and everybody's always fired up, not just about their teams, but uh, what other programs with their opponents and adversaries will be working on. So, yeah, to have a, a, the, the convergence of basketball starting up uh, baseball not being over over and possibly a world series run and then football with the falcons the bulldogs georgia tech kennesaw state georgia state i mean it's just a it is probably the wheelhouse of sports talk radio this point in time so these last couple of weeks what have your nights been like what's your setup at home do you have multiple screens going on or are you just checking twitter i mean what are those like because you got to turn around and get going in the morning on your show yeah, you know, sometimes I'm a, I'm a fool for punishment. Uh, the uh, morning alarm will go off at uh, 4.30, no matter what I was doing the night before. Sometimes that's a, an okay thing. Sometimes it's a tough thing. I typically uh, consume our games on our 680 The Fan app because I just love to hear our play-by-play guys. Uh, ben Ingram and Joe Simpson are just phenomenal. So I'd rather, if I'm watching the game, I will turn the sound down and, and uh, listen to the Braves games on our app. If I'm doing that uh, and it's a day game or a, you know a football game is on, I'll probably watch the football game and then have my ear to either my phone or my iPad. So I, I'm a multitasker. I try to use... Uh, the technology to to help me get what I need out of sports. So I, I will say there there's usually more than one device and more than one television or more than one way to consume sporting events in my household. So when you're taking in these events and you're kind of prepping for the show uh, that next day, are you already formulating takes in your head a little bit, or maybe you're preparing for what uh, John Michael or Brian Finneran or Hudson Mason might say uh, in the locker room the next morning? Well, any great radio show host or any host at 680 Fan knows some of the best shows are in your head or in the shower uh, at some point. So you're always working on something. The, the good thing is we have a great group uh, in the locker room. Uh, Brian Finneran, College Football Hall of Famer, Joe Hamilton, Hudson Mason, John Michaels, and myself. So we're on a text chain, and we're in constant communication. Uh, we always joke with each other in the morning who was the first guy to tap out and fall asleep, and you can tell by his text messages who was the first person to silence the text messages so they could get to sleep. So we're in constant communication. Everybody's a sports junkie, and, um, you know, basically, Basically, it just comes down to uh, what we feel most passionate about in the morning and then the things we agree upon and then those we disagree upon and, and what makes the best conversation for getting people in and out of their cars, in and out of work and driving the kids off to school. So, home team, take us through your story now a little bit, kind of how you got your your start in, in sports media. Was that something that you always knew that you wanted to get into? It's funny. It was not. Um, I'm the luckiest guy you will ever meet in media, uh, particularly in radio. I wanted to be a sports agent. And so I was going to school in the day at Morehouse College and then working at what uh, now is Wells Fargo Bank. It used to be uh, Wachovia Bank. 
at night. And so uh, during my lunch break, uh, I would go out and listen to the same radio show on my lunch break every single day. Long story short, show I listen to all the time. The main host was out on vacation. A uh, guy filling in was saying some reckless what I felt was reckless things about the Atlanta Braves. He was a Yankee fan. And the funny part is now we're great friends, but I called in. I couldn't take it anymore. I called in and just raised sand on the radio. You know, you're the problem with Atlanta radio. The problem is we need people that are from here and afford the teams and not somebody like you always bashing the teams. And he jokingly said, well, if you think you can do better, why don't you come down here? I said, I'll be there. So I took off the next week. And um, I think his intention was to embarrass me. Let me sit in on the show. And we have our sports updates at the top of the hour, 20 after 40 minutes after the hour. But I listen to the show every day. So I'm just sitting there as a guest, as a silent observer and, and thankful for the opportunity. He hands me the sports update and he said, all right, big time. Here's your shot. Well, because I had listened to the show, I knew the out cues. I knew the station tags. Oh so he gave gosh. it to me and I rolled with it. Right there on live radio. And then when I tagged Mitch Evans, who actually used to work uh, for the Atlanta Thrashers radio network when I did the tag for our radio station. And I said, and I'm Brandon Leak filling in for this sucker right here. Phone lines went, went wild. And I asked about being an intern. And uh, the producers, I said, what do you have to do to intern here in radio? I'm in school. I'm in college right now. And uh, a guy, Jeff Wolverton, who's one of my best friends in radio for the last 20 years, he said, I'm the guy you talk to. You talk to me. Started interning. And 20 years later, I get a chance to be on a Zoom call with you talking about Atlanta Gladiators hockey. That is unbelievable. So you basically staged a mutiny then or, or <laughs> staged a coup. I mean, on live radio, that's incredible. Or was incredibly silly or stupid to go down, not knowing exactly what I was walking into. But because I had listened and I was a sports fan, I just went for that for the hay of it. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, started interning, uh, started covering uh, uh, teams in town as locker room guy, getting sound, going to training camps, started filling in for updates, started doing updates, started filling in for shows. Started becoming a host, and as I tell kids when I talk to them, one thing always leads to another. So if you get a good opportunity, do the best to, to take care of your, your relationships and uh, ride that opportunity as far as it can take you. So when you were first in that studio, when he invited you in and you kind of get rolling, was that your first time like with the headset on in front of the microphone? Like, like what did that feel like? Did that feel like home or did it feel like you thought it would or or what? The, first, the funny part was I was terrified because I thought I was, you know, walking into the hornet's nest and, um, you know, they were going to hit me with all kinds of trivia I might not know or give me the business. But they actually uh, treated me like I was a guest and invited guests. And so there were a couple of topics at the time, Falcons and whatnot, that we were talking about, um, uh, you know, in, in the general public. So they, they allowed me to sit in. Uh, Matt Stewart and Jamie Dukes. The name of the show was Crunch Time. And I used to listen to that show every day. And Mitch Evans was filling in. And so we all uh, kind of got in on a roundtable discussion. And I, I'm a, I'm, I grew up a sports guy here in town. So I held my own pretty well, I thought. And then when I got the chance to do the update, I, I didn't mess it up. So it, it actually turned out to be pretty funny radio. So when you're just nailing the ins and outs of this update, are, are you kind of like noticing them? Like, what? Oh, Dude, yeah. This, this guy is is just... Like right on the money with these. Oh yeah, I, I I could kind of feel the energy in the room. All right, here he goes. We'll shut him up, and you know he'll either call <laughs> in or the next time he calls in, he'll be a little bit more humble or a little bit more quiet. And unfortunately, they threw it up on a tee, and I knocked it out of the park. That's or fortunately, that, that's an incredible story for for how you got started. Uh, well, take us through how you you eventually 
have come to 680? Because there's been a lot of stops along the way for you in, in different parts, uh, different teams around town, including, like we said, the Atlanta Thrashers. And we'll get into that in a sec. But how did you come to, to arrive at ESPN 680? Well, I started off working for uh, uh, another radio station that's no longer in existence, 790 The Zone, and we were uh, the flagship for Georgia Tech football and basketball. We were the flagship for the Atlanta Hawks. We were the flagship for the Atlanta Thrashers. And so we had a pretty good staple. At one point, it was the highest, one of the highest billing stations uh, in Atlanta. And so we had a great footprint in the city. Everybody was young. Um, and so we were doing a lot of remotes out in the city. Um, I got a chance to cover the Braves clubhouse after games. I, I did everything. There was one year where I was doing everything. And I literally um, would be going to a Georgia Tech basketball game, uh, stay for the end of the game, interview uh, Coach Paul Hewitt, and then drive over for the fourth quarter of a Hawks game so I could get there for the fourth quarter and interview the players after the game. Then on the weekends, you know, try to take care of other responsibilities with football. So um, I just had a, a, a thirst for sports. One thing led to another, as I said, and I became the um, um, pregame, halftime, and postgame show host for the Atlanta Hawks, which uh, eventually let me um, be a little bit more in touch with the team. Uh, at one point, I got a chance to sit next to Steve Holman, legendary voice of the Hawks, and learn so much in broadcasting uh, from him, just watching how he prepared and how he uh, took care of his business. Uh, became a show host, afternoon drive host, producer. I just didn't turn down any uh, opportunity that I got. And when I left the station, um, got into a little bit of television. I still work for uh, 11 Alive here in uh, town, WXIA, Channel 11. And uh, when an opportunity came, met with David Dickey, um, president of uh, Dickey Broadcasting. Hawks were moving over and um, he hired me to come be the Hawks guy over there. And just like at 790, one thing led to another. Um, uh, Hawks left, became a uh, color analyst for the Georgia State Panthers uh, basketball team and football team with Dave Cohen, the voice of the Panthers. It just kept one opportunity just kept coming in front of the other. I kept taking it. And now again, I get a chance to talk to you about gladiators hockey and I'm on morning drive on 680 the fan. No, that's great. Kind of a winding road, but it's all been here in Atlanta. And that's, that's why your home team, right? Well, uh, and I got that uh, one of uh, part of my, a shtick, if you will, when I was interning, I had uh, collected a lot of jerseys when I was in high school. So when I started interning uh, my initial uh, uh, jaunt in radio, I would wear a different jersey every single day. And finally, one of our uh, hosts said, I had on a uh, Scott Hastings jersey, a former, you know, solid player for the Hawks, but not a lot of people really know who he was. But I liked him when I was in high school. And uh, Stake Shapiro said to me one day, Scott Hastings doesn't have a Scott Hastings jersey. Where did you get that from? <laughs> where, where are you coming up? He said, no longer is it brand your home team. And so it's kind of stuck with me because I've only root for the teams here in town. And I had a lot of uh, paraphernalia to back up that I was a real fan. Well, Atlanta born and bred. That's that's great. Any uh, any Thrashers jerseys in the mix there? I, I still do. I do have a uh, Thrashers home jersey and road jersey jersey. And growing up here uh, in the early 80s, I also have an Atlanta Flames jersey uh, that I get a chance to uh, pull out in the man cave for, for a long time. So um, I'm just an Atlanta sports guy. And most people in town are even people who move from other cities, you know, end up keeping their teams, but they don't root against Atlanta teams, which is not a bad thing as well, especially when teams are winning. So I'm only rooting for our teams. That's the only thing I know. And that's the only way I'm going to be. There you go. Wow. Going all the way back with that, that flames Jersey there. We'll have to get you a gladiators Jersey when you're, when you're out at one of these games, 
Um, let, let's talk Thrashers here. You used to work as a locker room reporter with the Atlanta Thrashers. Describe kind of the access that you had to the team and what that was like. They were very accommodating, you know, being a new team and the fact that hockey had been in Atlanta before and uh, we lost the team to Calgary. And so when it came back again, there was a thirst for hockey in town. And, um, you know, with Atlanta being a transient city, there are a lot of people that are from hockey hotbeds. And so it was really a perfect storm, you know, us getting a new team, uh, folks who wanted hockey getting hockey and then a new arena with Phillips arena, not being that old at the time is now state farm arena, not being that old. You had a really good venue for it. So um, we had a lot of access with the, with the teams and the players. And that's one of the things I've learned in my career. You know, it's one thing to cover from afar, but when you actually get a chance to get inside the building and inside practice and inside uh, some of the things that are behind what goes on during the game, you really get a better understanding of personalities, leadership, where team is is going well, where some relationships may be pulling the team in a different direction, where relationships help out a team. So that's where I really learned, um, you know, a, a lot more about covering the team and how it's important to, if you can get a foot on the inside uh, of the ice, if you will, you know, go ahead and do so. So the Thrashers were very accommodating, um, got a chance to cover at practice. And um, the players, I think, appreciate when you came and you interviewed them on a regular basis, they got a chance to recognize, even though you didn't have, you know, personal relationships, they could see, you know, if you were one of the people who were paying attention, asked some decent questions and really were there to help promote them and help promote the sport. Now the Thrashers, they didn't have a ton of success while they were in Atlanta, only made the the playoffs one year, got swept uh, in that series, but they did have some like legitimate NHL stars, guys like Danny Heatley, Ilya Kolvachuk, a young Evander Kane, uh, who's mm-hmm. still in the league, Marion Hossa, Mark Savard, legit NHL stars, and you were the one interviewing them. What was it like to kind of talk to those guys one-on-one, and and uh, how much did they give you in those interviews? Well, they were, like I said, they were very accommodating. You know, being a lot younger back then and being new to hockey, um, it, it – it, as time went on, you appreciated it a little bit more. You know, Patrick Stefan was coming in, you know, at the time you had uh, Marion Hosa and Mark Savard, who are, you know, some really good players. And uh, Ilya Kovalchuk uh, was one of the star players at the time in the league. So you had a hundred million dollar player you had a chance to talk to. You know, the language barrier was something new, you know, for me. And, you know, it, it also, you know, helped you ask other questions when, when there were points where you needed clarity. Um, but realizing that we did have star players here in town and it was one of those deals where they were hot. We made it to the postseason one year and then that next year they kind of blew up the team, which took a lot of fans in a different direction. But, you know, the fact that you did have, you know, some some talented teams, some young players who were coming up. It taught me a lot about the sport and, and, and a lot about hockey at the same time. You mentioned the language barrier. Some of the best players, guys like Kovalchuk or, or Slava Kozlov, were, mm-hmm. uh, were Russian players. So, you know, there obviously is, is a big uh, barrier there, the language barrier. Were you able to kind of cross over that a few times or did you just try to interview the North Americans for the most part? Or what, what was that like for you? They had interpreters and you could get a little bit of help. I mean, when you have one of the best players in the sport, you're, you're going to have to have interaction. You know, I, I didn't take, I didn't take Russian in high school. I was a Spanish one and Spanish two guys. So it, it was totally, you know, different, but um, I remember Posse Nermanen, who was one of our, our, our goaltenders at the time. Um, he spoke English and he was very patient 
with people who were trying to get, you know, the information. So uh, nobody, the one thing about the Thrashers, nobody was giving anybody a hard time. And they were looking to try to promote the sport and do things good for the city of Atlanta. And just unfortunate that um, the team was not able to stay here to see what could have been. Interacting with those Russian players, did they tend to dress differently? Did they act differently? Or were they all just kind of, you know, hockey players at the end of the day from when from what you were able to see you know my experience and it's funny you know there are some nuances in culture and you know if you're from you know a different country or different continent there are some things that are different but the truth is one of the galvanizing things in sports a dude is a dude you know, a player's a player and the players that have swag had it, the players that were kind of keep to themselves guys, they were that. And the guys that were, you know, um, you know, give you a little bit, but not too much. They were that. So they weren't any different from any other college team or pro team or any other sport uh, that you would cover. It was just more about relationships and like anybody else in any walk of life, the more comfortable people are with you and the more they feel like, they can trust you, the better the relationship turned out to be. That, that's my overall takeaway from covering those guys. Who was the most interesting player or coach that you interacted with or interviewed? Um, you know, Danny Heatley was interesting because he was so young, and I don't think he realized at the time what he meant to the city. And so covering a young player who was a budding star, who was, you know, supremely talented, had the world ahead of him, um, it was always interesting to cover him. Um, Mark Savard was a guy who was, you know, kind of grizzled and, um, you know, gave you what you needed. When you when you started talking to some of the you, – you wanted to talk to Kovalchuk. That, that's who you wanted to talk to. And the language barrier was a thing. It wasn't something that didn't allow you to get to know him, but it just was a thing. So if I had to do it all over again, now that technology is different, I'd probably be on Google Translate, learn a couple of uh, phrases in, in Russian and get a couple of questions in in Russian uh, before the season started, maybe loosen them up when the season got going. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, well, the, Russian's not exactly the easiest uh, easiest no. to learn. So, um, yeah, you'd be unique in that boat if you were able to, to do that. Um, obviously, you've been here in Atlanta when the Thrashers uh, left town. Uh Point the finger if you if you want to. I mean, why do you think the uh, the the team uh, or where do you think the team or the city kind of failed in that aspect? Because there there is a lot of hockey fandom down here in Atlanta. It was ownership. You know, the ownership didn't do what they needed to do. Um, fans. Uh, I'm not a businessman and I'm not an owner, but when you get to a place where you have people buying tickets and their eyes on the product, what people want to see is you invest into that product. So you get to the playoffs after a decade and you don't win any games, but okay, the next year, everybody in town is excited about what's to come. And then at the trade deadline, you trade all of your star players. Meanwhile, you aren't dropping any of the prices. So the hockey ticket was one of the more expensive tickets in town. And so it was somewhat of a slap in the face to, you know, the businessman, the family man, the family woman that had ponied up and invested uh, with their discretionary income to see a product. And then you take away the best players. I mean, could you imagine, you know, everybody waiting to see the Braves get to where they where they are right now, knocking on the door of something very special they lose last year, and at the trade deadline, they're trading Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, and Austin Riley. What in the world is going to go on in Atlanta, you know, especially to your season ticket holders who are like, wait a minute, I'm in. I thought you guys were in. So that left a bad taste. And then when they 
I don't know if I'm talking a little bit out of school, but then when they tried to fix that issue, you got guys paying premium prices to see a product. And then you're trying to get some new eyes on the building for a lot cheaper. So you got a guy with a $10 ticket sitting next to a guy with a ticket. That's a whole lot more than that. And wait a minute now, this is not how this is supposed to go. So I think the equity um, that they had built up with the fans was somewhat busted and they just couldn't get it back along with the product business didn't go the way it, it needed to. And so they sold the team. Well, and kind of the uniform theme talking to people about, you know, the thrashers leaving town is that it does not seem like there was a, uh, a significant downturn in fan interest, or at least before, you know, those events that you, that you mentioned, people were still engaged and were excited about this team and were excited about hockey. Um, and, and that's kind of what the gladiators are hoping to, to capture now coming back after uh, a season off last year. Um, you, we mentioned the, the Thrashers interviews. How about outside of hockey uh, and outside of sports? Uh, maybe not sports, but because uh, you've inter- interviewed some interesting characters within the sports world. You've got uh, Kobe and Barry Bonds, Kobe Bryant, Barry Bonds, that right, but also uh, governors and mayors. I'm interested to hear who the most interesting interviews that you've had uh, have been. Um, well, right up at the top of the list, I would say Kobe Bryant. Uh, I was very fortunate at the time I was covering the Hawks when, when I first started the Hawks, uh, they were going through a rebuild. And when I'm talking about a rebuild, I'm talking about 13 wins, 26 game winning seasons. You want to talk about doing a post game show when you got 26 wins, boy, it's a whole lot. You got to stretch thin, but, uh, um, you know, a lot of the media didn't cover the, the, the team at the same rate, they would come down and do the things you had to, but they weren't there all the time. Being that we were a flagship, I was down there all the time. And just fortunately one day, luck of the draw, um, the Lakers come once a year for whatever reason, they came in a day early. And usually when a Lakers or a star studded team comes in, everybody in the media goes to cover. Well, they came in a day early and uh, I practiced for the Hawks. It just finished up. And all of a sudden I see the Lakers coming in, you know, what are they doing here? I didn't know if it was a secret or special practice. And their PR guy said, um, you know, I went up to him and I said, hey, are, are you guys open for interviews? And he said, yes. And I said, well, who can you talk to? He said, you can talk to anybody you want to. And I saw Kobe Bryant sitting on a table getting some treatment. And I said, I'd like to talk to him. <laughs> so he <laughs> went over and Kobe gave uh, the okay. So I got a five minute is one of my favorite interviews of all time in, in, in being in the radio industry. Um, he gave me five minutes, uh, just me and him and the Lakers in the gym. And, um, I use that as a story to tell kids, um, we have a saying at Morehouse college to be early is to be on time to be on time is to be late and to be late is unacceptable. And because I was there early, I got a chance to get a one-on-one. There's no way in the world they're going to grant a one-on-one with any jabroni, you know, from a visiting city, a one-on-one with Kobe Bryant. But because I was there early um, for the Hawks and then stayed a little bit late, um, I got the opportunity. So he's probably, that is probably the, the, the interview I cherish most. And I've interviewed people from, you know, um, you know, political world and the wrestling world, got a chance to talk to Ric Flair, Jesse, the body Ventura, who was a governor of Minnesota, was in wrestling for many years, uh, talked about how uh, being in the wrestling industry helped him prepare to talk in front of TV and the power of TV and the media. And so Barry Bonds, one of the greatest hitters of all time, Chipper Jones, uh, just so many, I could go down the list. Um, it, it's uh, radios afforded me a, a tremendous amount of access and opportunity that I never dreamed I would ever have. Well, that's great. And, and you mentioned you mentioned Morehouse College and the students a couple times. You teach a little bit as well. You're instructing some of the the, the next generation of 
of sports media members as well then? Well, we, it's funny. Um, when I was uh, back in school, um, they started a, a program, a journalism program at Morehouse, which is now morphed into a, uh, you get a journalism program and uh, a business program as well. Um, I always like to speak to kids in high school and in college. I wouldn't mind teaching one day. And uh, there are some people who have gone back uh, to Morehouse to teach it. I wouldn't be where I am today if not for dear old Morehouse College. Funny thing is, I used to be terrified to open my mouth to speak. And um, you? one of the, yeah, <laughs> go figure that. Now I can't keep my mouth closed. Um, but one of the, the, one of the things that broke me through was at Morehouse College. One of our, um, the speech classes I took was talk, taught by Dr. Ann Watts, who was still instructing at the time teaching speech. And she was actually one of the professors who taught Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And one of her techniques was every class period, everybody had to get up in front of the class and give a speech. And what it did, it trained you to break yourself from being scared to open your mouth, to get used to going up and talking in front of people. Sometimes you would pick a topic. Sometimes she would pick a topic. And so talking about things you were comfortable talking about, things you weren't, things that might be controversial. So yeah, if not for Dr. Ann Watts, dear old Morehouse College, I don't know where I would be. So I always try to reach back when I can. Oh, that's outstanding. And, and since those days, you've, you know, like you mentioned, interviewed, I'm sure hundreds uh, of subjects at this point. Where do hockey players rank uh, in terms of how much info they'll give you in an interview? Because sometimes hockey can be a little notorious for being vague and and non-descriptive. Just look at the injury reports. It's either an upper body injury or a lower body injury. So where do hockey players and coaches rank on that scale? I equate hockey players to old school baseball players where they don't do a whole lot of complaining, but they don't do a whole lot of telling. And so that's where it goes to showing up on a regular basis, trying to build a relationship and you try to nudge them and wink them. Do you think you can go tonight? You know, trying to build a relationship, but you know, hockey, like, you know, any pro player, you're a tough guy. And hockey certainly is one of the tougher sports in all of sports. So they they don't do a lot of complaining. The strategy, you know, certainly up to the coaches and they have to go out and do their job. So, more grizzled and more guarded is how I would say most NHL players are. You don't have a whole lot of characters and a whole lot of, you know, guys that, you know, are hosting, you know, cocktail hours and, you know, doing their Instagram live show after, after a game. But um, most hockey players are, are very passionate about the sport. So you try to find their passion with their team, with their game and see if you can get good information from them so you can get it out to the fans. Well, Home team, this has been great. Thank you for coming on. We'll, we'll have to have you on throughout the season uh, as well. Real quick, where can people find you on, on social media and such? Sure, you can find me at Home Team B Leak at Twitter, Home Team B Leak at Instagram, and Home Team Brandon Leak on LinkedIn or Facebook. And don't forget, the uh, Gladiators will be on the ice at home on October 29th. I plan to be there, so it should be a lot of fun. Hockey does live in the A, and uh, I think, you know, when you ask me about the uh, Thrashers, the president, Jerry James, he is invested in the team and in the community. So I think the, the, the gladiators are going to be a very, very good communal community based team that I think is going to be thriving for a long, long time. Well, that is no doubt the idea over here on our end and home team. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you out at gas South arena. Anytime. Yeah, what a great chat with home team. Definitely one of the most well-known sports personalities in Atlanta. You can listen to him every morning in the locker room on ESPN, 680 AM, 93.7 
FM, the fan. Uh, he will be giving our Hockey in the South updates on ESPN 680 as well. And he's a busy guy. We mentioned in the interview all the Atlanta sports that are going on right now and with the Atlanta Braves in the World Series, his job gets even busier. Those ESPN 680 studios are uh, in the Battery. The Battery is like a, a restaurant bar area outside of Truist Park, which is where the Braves play. And those 680 studios are right there in the Battery. That's like Braves Central out there. So they are, are swimming in Atlanta Braves World Series fever right now. Do remember to subscribe to the podcast, download, and leave a review. For tickets or info about the games, visit atlantagladiators.com. We will see you at the home opener for the Gladiators on Friday, October 29th. That's at Gas South Arena. Thank you for listening to the Atlanta Gladiators podcast, and until next time, adios. Adios.